Revelation chapter 3, and I'd like to say a few things about this uh, church at Philadelphia as it's brought out in the scripture. But before we do, I would like to go to the first verse of the Bible. Now, when we were here on Sunday morning, it once again struck me that this is much like John 6, 6. And he himself knew what he would do. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that is a sound way of looking at the rest of the Bible. God is the first reason for all things, and he's the creator, and he creates life, and he's the one that creates life in us before anything else can happen. We can't breathe spiritually until he creates life in us. And the same is true as we look at this church here at Philadelphia. If there is a saint in Philadelphia, or Sardis, or Thyatira, or Smyrna, or Laodicea, if there's a saint, Genesis 1-1 had to be in effect in the beginning of their life, spiritual life. God created, gave them life, and then we have the results here. So just another verse that kind of sets the tone for all the rest of the verses in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in John 6-6, and he himself knew what he would do. That's been a blessing to me as uh, just... Reflecting on that verse as you go to all the other places, when things look bad, he himself knew what he would do. And even when we're going through the kings, and some of that we haven't read, and we're leaving that to you to read, but just remember, he himself knew what he would do, even though it looked bleak and sad and sorry, and and uh, things weren't looking as good as we'd hoped, but that's just the way it is in the human race. If it wasn't for God... There would be all like that. Now, book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. I want to read that. We're not going to get through this passage of Scripture. I went home after being out in my study a while, and I told Nancy, I said, it is just so big. It's it's hard to grasp. Over there on the coast, and I don't know if it's still standing, but it was the largest cedar tree in North America. And it, we drove out there with the kids, and then Nancy and I have driven out there a couple other times. And I don't know how many people it would take to get reach around it. Now, you can do your best to reach around it by yourself, but you're not going to do it. <laughs> it's, it's like 30 feet around circumference. I mean, it's huge. Nancy and I and the three kids that could reach couldn't reach around it. It's just huge. And uh, that's kind of like this passage of Scripture You can get your hands on it, but you can't reach around it. (laughs) It's just huge. There's so much here. The verse 7, to the angel, or to the pastor of the church in Philadelphia, write, These things saith he, and I think it's just so important every time we look at one of these churches that we see how Christ revealed himself to that church. Now, in a composite view, it's valuable, but as he revealed himself to each one of these, and particularly in the the church that we're looking at tonight, Philadelphia, we see how he introduced himself to this church, how he revealed himself to this church. And I was thinking, uh, what a word here, what credentials. Uh, I've been places where they're going to introduce someone, and people have a card, they're reading the credentials wrote this book, had this education, been here, done that, said this, 
you know, long list. Well, there's no greater credentials that we could ever mention about anybody than what we read here in the book of Revelation about the Lord Jesus Christ on how he revealed himself to these churches. Now, notice these credentials that are brought out. These things saith he. Now, if we had the opportunity of introducing the Lord Jesus Christ, and we do every time we open the gospel, but here's what we have. He that is holy. Now, you get yourself around that tree. That is, that's a giant tree. He that is holy. And the next credential, he that is true. Uh, it, that's a good credential. That's a good credential. And it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how he revealed himself. And if we had the opportunity of introducing this great King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if we were in a position to say something about him, we never are given the responsibility of ever saying anything little about our God. Now, I was down at the library today, and I went into the library, and I picked up a tape for a quarter, one of these little cassette tapes, and I thought there might be a song or two on there that would be enjoyable. And uh, it's out in the car, but I'm going to throw it in the trash. I don't want anybody else to get it. It's a trio singing, and all the songs have a little G-O-D. He's trying, he's hoping, he might get something done sometime if we let him type songs. Now, they're popular, and they're catchy, and the tunes are catchy, but the words are rotten. They just do not depict the God of the Bible. Here's his credentials. He said, he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David. Now notice this credential as we read. He that openeth, and no man shutteth. Now when you're introducing the Lord of glory and you use those terms, we're talking about a great God. He opens and no man can shut. Now this opening that we're reading about there, and we're going to spend a little time on it in a moment, but that is an irresistible opening. I mean, if you got your foot against the door, you're up on a ledge because it's just going to come open. It's not on the floor. You got your foot on the back side of the door and it's just going to swing open. It doesn't matter how much weight you have on it. The door is going to swing open. And then it goes on. Here's another credential. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. Now these credentials... When we introduce the Lord and he steps up to the microphone and declares again who he is, we could say no greater than is what is written about the Lord Jesus Christ about himself. As he introduces, as he reveals to these churches, these seven churches, he's revealing a composite view of himself. And we took the time to put them all together. We'd have a long list of credentials about our Lord and our Savior. And that, again, is what we do when we declare the gospel. We're just declaring the credentials of God. Savior. Lord God Almighty. High, great high priest, good shepherd. We got a long list. The Bible is filled with the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ that we are reading about. 
Savior, Almighty Savior, Lord God Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of those were declaring their credentials, and that is what will stir the hearts of God's people because we're, we're going to get to listen about someone great. Now, one time the school district allowed me to go down and hear Mr. Ford, Gerald Ford, President of the United States for a short period of time, never won an election for it, never won the second term, but you know he was the President of the United States in some very perilous times in American history. And I went down there to the uh, Coliseum, and he was speaking, and I so far away, I'm glad they have great big TV monitors. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to see him. It was an honor. And they introduced him with all of the credentials, House of Representatives or Senator or whatever, things he'd done in his state, and finally said, and President of the United States. I wanted to stand and salute. I wanted a flag to go up. And then they played, hail to the chief. How stirring that is. And yet we have the opportunity every time we open the word of God to hear the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ and then hear Hail to a sovereign God. It's glory. It's the word of God. And as we go on and read here now, it says, I know thy works. There's some more credentials. He is all knowledgeable about everything. And one of the interesting things for us to come to grips with is, not only does he know, but he has purposed everything. It's more than just knowing. Now, we're going to know some things. I know some things about today already that are history. Now, I know the purpose of God for me today. But you know what? I didn't purpose everything that I did today. But he did. He purposed everything he did today. All right, goes on and says, I know that works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews. Now, when he made that statement to this church, he's talking about people who say they are Christians and are not. We just go right back to the book of Romans and the Apostle Paul bringing out who truly is a Jew, one inwardly, not one outwardly. That's the true Jew. That's the true Israel of God. That's the Israel of God from beginning to end, which is made up of every kindred, nation, people, and tongue. That is the elect of God. That is God's everlasting choice. It's the same term we would use for church. It's the assembly of God. And they assemble at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a bunch in there. There's a bunch who make the, the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and to worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee because thou hast kept the word of my patience I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Now, I like what the Lord had to say. Day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Time means nothing to God. We are, we're, we're caught in time. Time was created for us. 
God didn't need it, but he created it for us. And there's the raising of the sun and the setting of the sun, and that will happen all the days of our life, and that will happen until the Lord returns. That's just the way it's going to be. I don't care about all these naysayers. It's going to happen just that way. And then he says here, finally, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, we're going to have to spend just a wee bit of time back over in the Old Testament about building the temple there to get a feel for this, because that temple in the Old Testament is a picture of the church. It's, that's what it is. Now, God used it for sacrifices, but it is just a picture of the church, the temple in the Old Testament. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I'll write upon him my new name. Him that hath, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches." Now the city of God and New Jerusalem and the church and the elect and the children of God all are views of the same entity, same body. Now, let's go back here and we're going to spend a little bit of time on this verse 7. These credentials that the Lord left us in this passage of Scripture, how he revealed himself, what they saw when they saw Christ. What view did he give to them when they saw him? And that's what we have in verse 7. This is what the church, those who truly were believers, those who God had worked a work of grace, those who truly knew Christ, this is what they saw. Now, he didn't have to come down there in a physical form. When the word is brought and the Holy Spirit bears witness to the word, he comforts our heart and we see spiritually what we could never see physically. Ladies like uh, Fanny J. Crosby, who wrote some very wonderful hymns, blind physically, very astute spiritually, able to see things that natural man is not able to see. They saw it but they couldn't see it physically. So there's so much that we have in the Bible that is not ever, never was intended to be looked at from a physical standpoint. It's intended for God to open eyes to see. The light comes on. Revelation is made known. The, the curtain is pulled back. However we want to view it, that's what we see here. And so it is, this church at Philadelphia, the pastor of the church at Philadelphia was given this revelation and he's to pass these things on and as he reads the credentials of the Lord Jesus Christ, reads the credentials of the Savior, reads the credentials of the great high priest, reads the credentials of the creator of heaven and earth, God, this is what he had to say. God said this about himself. These things saith he that is holy. Now, Turn with me, and you could probably quote this, but turn with me, if you would, back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, the prophet Isaiah wrote this about his own observation. There was a king by the name of Uzziah, and in the year that King Uzziah died, that's what we read here in Isaiah, chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne. Now, what a great event took place in Isaiah's life. He saw the revelation of Jesus Christ. He is going to hear some of his credentials. And every time Isaiah preached the gospel, every time he opened up the book of Revelation, which was the Old Testament as it was being put together in the, the prophecy of Isaiah, every time he did that, his job, and I hate to look at it as a job, but it's a pleasure, his pleasure job was to read the credentials of God. That's all we have to do. We're not pleading for anybody to bow down. We're just telling people about one you must bow before. God's going to have to plead them. He's going to have to bring them. He's going to have to draw them. But we're just reading the credentials of the Lord God Almighty. We're reading the great account of his salvation. We're reading the great account of his creation. And when he created the heavens and the earth, and he follows there in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, he is just demonstrating in a physical sense what he does spiritually. Everything was as a result of God speaking. Nothing came out of the ground except God spoke first. And you won't have any spiritual life until God creates it. And we'll not have any spiritual works until God moves in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's not up to us. It's him working in us. The flesh profiteth nothing. So from here out, (laughs) there's nothing that is going to profit. It's only what God works in us to worship him. Our prayers depend upon the Holy Spirit making intercession for us. There is nothing we have to offer to God from a physical standpoint. We are dependent upon the Spirit to deliver that to God. Now, Isaiah chapter 6, it says here, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. The credential, he's not low and down. He's high and lifted up. How often we find this kind of terminology in the scriptures with regard to the credentials of God. It is always above us. He is always above us. His credentials far surpass us. And that's good. If we ever see where we are and we see where he is, we're so thankful that he is where he is when we are where we are. All right. It says here, uh, uh, high and lifted up, his train filled the temple. There wasn't a place that wasn't filled with the glory of the Lord. Not a corner, nook. When they, when they, I know there's religions today that use, try to use the symbolism, but in the Old Testament, when they lit that incense and that smoke filled that part of the temple, It was just a picture and a type and a shadow of the Holy Spirit filling to capacity the church and filling to capacity his people and filling to capacity his world. Covered every nook and cranny and nothing went uncovered by the Holy Spirit, by God. So his train field, above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he did fly. 
I read somewhere, and I, I'm not sure it was Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, or whether it was Arthur W. Pink, but he said when the Lord Jesus was laying in a manger after his birth of the Virgin Mary was the first time in all of creation that the angels were permitted to look upon God. Now that's interesting. Here they covered their face when they were looking on God. The Lord Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, I don't understand all I know about that. But every capacity of God was bound up in the person of the Lord Jesus. And those angels here covered their face. Now notice what they said. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, here's Isaiah's credentials. Woe is me. <laughs> Woe is me, for I am undone. I, because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now that's his credentials. That's why we don't preach about the credentials of man. We want to speak about the credentials of God. He's the only one that has the ability of dealing with people that are in this condition to lift them out of their own nature. All right, so holy, holy, holy. Over there in the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, He that is holy. He is the Holy One of Israel. I don't know how many times in the scriptures we read that. The Psalms are filled with that term, Holy One of Israel, sacred, set apart, holy. He is sacred beyond description and set apart. There's none like him. And holy, there is a oneness about him. He has a capacity in his own oneness that he is unlike any other that has ever been. We're unholy. And we are told in the scripture that unless we're as holy as he is holy, we'll not see him. So we must have him. It's an absolute necessity that we have him. He's the only one that is holy as holy is. Now, it says here, my credential is he that is holy. Holy, holy, holy. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8. Revelation 4 and verse 8. Notice this. Isaiah saw those seraphims, or, or uh, yes, seraphims, six wings. They, two they covered their face, two they covered their feet, and two they did fly. Here in Revelation 4, verse 8, four beasts. Now, that word beast would have been much better for our era, for our period of time, if it had been translated four living creatures. When we think of beasts, we think of boogie. <laughs> But it's four living creatures. They're not, they're not, 
they're not going to scare us. They're, they're not mean. They're living creatures of God. These four beasts, four living creatures, had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and which is and is to come. Look at those credentials. Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and is to come. This is what these four living creatures say. Now when we get to that point, I, I want to bring a lesson on, I think those four living creatures are typical of the four Gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ. They share with us. Those, the Gospels of the Lord Jesus are telling us an account of the Holy One of Israel. Holy, holy, holy. We just cannot comprehend the holiness of God. But without that holiness, we'll not see Him. We are absolutely dependent upon His holiness imputed to us. It's not ours, but it's His. We'll never create that kind of holiness. And if we create holiness, you know what we do with it? We brag about it. Now, if it's God given to us, we boast in His holiness. We delight in His holiness. We don't have a word to say about our own. If we know where we come from, we have nothing to say about ours, but we have everything, and that's just bragging on His credentials. We're just going down the list as we introduce Him. He's holy, holy, holy. He is sacred. It's no wonder it says that we should not, we should not take the name of the Lord our God in vain. He's sacred. He's God. And when we talk about little G-O-D, we're taking it worse in name, his name worse in vain than going out and using it as a swear word. When we talk to people about a God that's trying to do something, we're taking his name in vain. His name here is the Lord God Almighty, and He can't, won't stand for us talking about a little God to people. We need to keep it up, high and lifted up. We're dealing with the Lord God Almighty. That's what it says right here. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and which, uh, which was, which is and which is to come. Now, Go back there with me, if you would, to the third chapter of the book of Revelation. It tells us the next credential that's listed here, the next revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ listed here. And every one of these churches has some characteristic or some attribute about the Lord, and you just put them in a composite. My. It's going to take two pages to list them out. And just think of the introduction. We're going to be like Isaiah. Woe is me when I'm introducing this one. Woe is me when I look at his credentials compared to mine. You know what the Apostle Paul said about his credentials after he saw the credentials of the Lord? I count them mine as done. They're just worthless. All the little stars I had and all the buttons I had and all the years of... Uh, on and on and the placards and the receipts and the 
all the DDs he had. I, he was a doctor of the law. He says, I count all of those credentials as worthless refuse that I might win Christ. I have his credentials to my account. Now, notice here, the next thing it says here, he that is holy, he that is true. The Lord God Almighty shares this about himself. He is true to his word. Now that's, to God's people, that is a delight. We delight in him being true to his word. We delight in his covenant mercies. We delight that there was an agreement made with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit before the world began. We delight that in covenant mercy together they decreed some things. We delight in eternal life decreed by Almighty God. We delight that the Son had promised to give himself on the cross as it was decreed in the covenant of grace. We delight in all that. We love the Lord being true to his word. Covenant mercies being carried out to the last jot or tittle. But you know what? On the other side of the corn, the same word of God, he will be true to it, to everyone that stands before him without Christ. He'll be true to his word. Be true to his word. He will not give in. (laughs) He will not give up. He will be stonewalled. We love it on this side. I delight in it. But it will be, his word will be carried out to all those on the left-hand side. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. And you know what? They'll depart. That's it. They will depart. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. Matthew... He that is true. Uh, I'm so weak and I'm so feeble. When I look at these credentials of my Savior, the revelation of Jesus Christ, I delight in knowing that He is holy. I delight in knowing He is true. But it's a big tree and I can't get around it. We'll have time to study it all the days of our life, and throughout eternity he's still going to reveal these great truths about himself to his church. He will be spending this time when we get together and we share the gospel. The gospel is just sharing the credentials of Christ. He's the Savior. He saves his people. He's the Savior that saves. Isn't that credentials about Christ? Isn't that the revelation of Jesus Christ? God opens that up to people. They recognize he is the Savior that saves. I was trusting a Savior. He just couldn't do much. And he's a Redeemer that redeems. My goodness, a Redeemer that came in and paid a price and then lost us in the end? That's not a very good Redeemer. I want a Redeemer that actually redeems. Well, we're just sharing... His credentials. He's a redeemer that redeems. He's a savior that saves. And he's a regenerator that actually regenerates. He actually gives the new birth. It's a, it's a new birth that he gives. It's spiritual quickening that he gives. And so we're just sharing his credentials. 
We're not putting him on the auction block. Paul said it this way, I declare unto you the gospel of our Savior. I declare it. Now, what they did with him, some of those we find on the day of Pentecost said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Boy, God's opened me up to myself. And those that stood around Stephen, they gnashed on him with their teeth. And that's just generally what you're going to see. Some say, oh my goodness, here's a living stream I passed over for so long. And others, oh, that's just for weaklings. And that's the way it is. The book of Matthew, chapter, Matthew chapter 24, verse 35 we read this about that he's true. He's, his word is true. He's true to his word. Matthew 24, 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. And the church just says, oh man, all our hope is based on that. The church says, all my salvation is based on him, not passing his word away. He's promised and what he's promised, he's going to carry out. That's what we hope in. That's our hope. Our faith is based upon that. His word, he is true. He's true. It, isn't it interesting when we find sometimes about the Lord, one single word is their credential about him. He that is true. Well, we don't have much to mince about on that, do we? <laughs> We don't have much to fill in on that. Not much between the lines on that. He that is true. We just can't, well, you know, he that's true. It's not partly true or sometimes true. He that is true. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will never pass away. And he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Just turn with me over there to John 14. John 14 I that am he that is true, he's true to his word, heaven and earth will pass away, but he his word will never pass away. Isaiah chapter uh, excuse me, John chapter fourteen. John fourteen verse six. We read these words with regard to the Lord, and he said this John fourteen six Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, that's the truth. No man comes unto the Father. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And just over there, one word. He that is true. He that is holy. No room. For misunderstanding. No room for wondering what he meant. No room for, well, let's define truth. <laughs> let's define holiness. Well, we don't need a dictionary. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the Sacred One of God. He's the set-apart one. And truth we, we spend so much time around ourselves, around other people that don't know the truth. It is hard sometimes to come to grips with it, but when we read it about the Lord, there's no trouble. 
He that is true. Now, going back there to the book of Revelation, chapter 3 and verse 7, his credential, he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. Now, in the Old Testament, a number of times we find that David was a type of Christ. And we find, in fact, that the Lord is called David several times in the Old Testament. And uh, uh, in the book of Acts, we find reference to uh, the Lord sitting upon his father David's throne. And thus he spoke. (laughs) This is really interesting. Some people stop right there. But if we just finish the sentence, thus he spoke of his resurrection. (laughs) That's what he meant by it was When he sits on his father David's throne, he means, I'm going to raise from the dead. He's going to be the living Christ. He's not going to be buried in the earth. He's going to be resurrected to his glory. And that's what he is sharing with us there with regard to that. Now, turn with me, if you would, back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 22. And the prophet Isaiah brings up this subject that we're reading about right here. Isaiah, chapter 22. We read about this key of David. David is a type of Christ and is brought out here in this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 22 and verse 20. Isaiah 22 and verse 20 as we think about this. Now, this again is a tree that I haven't got around all the way. (laughs) Just like his holiness and his truthfulness. Here we read, He that hath the key of David. David, his son and his father. David was the one that was in the line of the Lord Jesus, but he's also his son. Isaiah 22, verse 20, we read these. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I'll clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government upon his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder. So he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. And I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, And he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. Now David had an interest in building the temple. He wasn't able to build it. His son Solomon did, but he amassed the material for it. Uh, David, before it was built, amassed the material. He was kind of predestinating the building of that temple in amassing the material. Now, it speaks about the Lord as having the key of the house of David. Now, that temple was just a picture of the church. And the Lord Jesus Christ is and has the key to the church. He is the key and he has the key. He is the one that brings the birth of the church. And he's the one, as it goes on and shares here, he's the one that opens and no man closes. I've heard this. People leaving services and someone telling them, don't you listen to that. 
Don't you listen to that. Don't you hear that. And you know what? When God opens, no man can close. And therein, there are those, God said, he closes and no man opens. We can get down on our knees and beg, and they still have that heart that can't be moved. Now there's there's a, a opening and a shutting, as we found mentioned here. He that openeth and no man shutteth. It's just a, another statement about his credentials, and that opening the scriptures and opening the doors of the gospel is irresistible. He will open and no man can shut. No man can stifle the gospel as it goes out. It will accomplish its intended purpose. It will go out. It will accomplish its intended purpose. And it doesn't matter who says it's going to be stopped or stifled. It will accomplish its intended purpose. Now, there is a veil. It talks about that veil with regard to the Old Testament. That the Jews at that time... Well, I'll just turn over here to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want you to see this, that he has the key. He has the key to the removing of the veil. He is the key to the removing of the veil. He has an ability to open and no man can shut. He can open the scriptures. He can open the doors of the gospel. He can open the doors to the church. I'm not talking about the physical doors. I'm talking about the spiritual doors. When people are born in, the Lord added daily such as should be saved. He has those keys. He is powerful in that context. Now notice here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is... Did you read that word? Abolished. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse uh, 13. To the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Now notice the next phrase. Which veil is done away in He opens and no man can shut. And he shuts and no man can open. Which veil is done away in Christ. Now, isn't that a good reason to preach Christ? That's how the veil is taken away. In the preaching of Christ. The old veil that's over natural man's eyes will... The law couldn't take it off. The ordinances couldn't take it off. The sacrifices couldn't take it off. All of the lambs and goats and sheep and, and, and uh, uh, animal sacrifices couldn't remove it. All the prayers of all the saints couldn't take it off. But that veil is taken away in the preaching of Christ. That veil which is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil. Now this is the worst part to have a veil. Worst part to have a veil. Bad enough to have it over your eyes. That's just physical. But the worst part, to have this veil. And you know what? It's over every one of us by nature. What's he say? 
The veil is upon their heart. Blind, double blind. Not only are they are blind spiritually, but they got a veil that hides their... <laughs> it's just double blindness. Nevertheless, when it, or they, when it shall turn to the Lord, when they shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with an open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. How are we changed? By the Spirit of the Lord. So, he said, He hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth. He opens the scriptures. He opens the doors of the gospel, and that is irresistible. He will open hearts we don't think he can open. <laughs> He'll open hearts that we don't plan on him opening. But he'll open hearts. And then he says, he shutteth and no man openeth. When it shut, it shut. No man can pry it open. We read that with regard several times in the scripture, several times in the Old Testament, several times in the New Testament. I just want to read one. Matthew 13. Let's go there. Matthew 13, verse 14. The scripture says this. This is the quote from the Old Testament. Right here in one of the living creatures. Declaring the holiness of God. He said, and in them, Matthew 13, 14. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by, by hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive. They just saw it for physical, went to hear, went to hear, but never passed to the spiritual. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they shall see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and shall be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear, and have not heard them. And then he goes on and talks about the parable of the sower. Well, he says, there's some doors shut. No man's going to open them. Now, there's... There's some doors that were shut. We closed them in Adam, and we were holding them shut. And I'm thankful that God that we read about in Scripture came along and says, I'm going to open, and no man will close. We, have you ever seen those films where they got the big door, and they got a piece of oak that's about like this, about this thick, and across the iron members there? And you know... They just say, oh, we're going to keep the enemy out. And God, by his grace, goes right through it and comes to where he intended to come with our full consent. So his credentials. He that is true. He that, he that is holy. He that is true. He that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth. And he that shutteth and no man openeth. And then he says in verse 8, and we're not going to cover this, but he says, 
I know thy works. Now that's a pretty significant credential of God. I know. We'll stop there.